Um, we're in a series right now called Disciple, Be One, Make One. And uh, we've been actually talking the, the first uh, few weeks more about being a disciple and what that means to be a follower of Jesus. And we're going to make a little bit of a shift here and talk for the last little bit here, not just about what it means to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus, but what it means to make one. And, uh, but before we jump into this morning's message, quick recap of where we've been. So week one of the series, we looked at how the goal of the church is to make disciples who make disciples. That's it. Everything that the church does and is about needs to end with people experiencing a purposeful life of discipleship. Then in week two of the series, we looked at exactly what it means to be a disciple because everybody's got a different idea of what that entails. Uh, it's not just about learning about God. It's not just about listening to a sermon or going to church. Uh, a disciple is someone who is following Jesus. They're being changed by Jesus and they're committed to the mission of Jesus. And then last week, we looked at how this, this change that happens, this, this growing and becoming like Jesus, it doesn't just happen in, in the, the flick of an eye. It doesn't just happen overnight. It's, it's, it's a, a process. Discipleship or the road to spiritual maturity is a process. It's a journey that takes time. Now, I've made... A few uh, journeys, a few road trips in my lifetime that have gone pretty good, and, a, and a, quite a few actually that didn't go so well. Um, one of them that stands out took place when Becky was pregnant with our second oldest, Taylor, and uh, we were driving through this mountain pass in the middle of nowhere, and all of a sudden, so it's me and Becky in the front, and then Tori, who's two in the back, all of a sudden Tori and Taylor decided to get car sick at the exact same time, the exact same time. You haven't lived until you've had two people in the vehicle get car sick at the exact same time. <laughs> but it's, it, I don't know how it works in your house, but when, and we, when people get car sick in my family, in our home, in our, when we're driving along, it's just total chaos. You have, well, so I'm slowing down, trying to find a place on the side of the road. Meanwhile, I'm usually yelling, trying to find a bag or something, because I just don't want it to get all over the van. The kids in the back seat are all squealing and screaming and moving away from the person who's feeling car sick, and things are flying, and bags are flying, and we're emptying backpacks because it's better to go in the backpack than all over the floor. It is total chaos. Well, we, uh, um, we, we on that road trip, think, got things kind of cleaned up, moved right along, but another road trip that didn't go so well happened a few years ago just after Christmas. And my family and I, we were heading to see my brother who lives in southern BC, and the fastest way to get there is actually not through BC. We needed to go through over the, over the mountains and through eastern Washington. Well, it got off to a bit of a bumpy start because the road that I know, the, I've been there a few times, and usually it's, it's uh, through either Highway 20 or Highway Number 2. Well, Highway 20 is closed in the wintertime, so it was going to be Stevens Pass, Highway Number 2, which was shut down because it was snowing so bad. Not a big deal. Just drive a little further south, take the Snoqualmie Pass, and uh, away we go. Well, the, the sunshine had come out, the snow stopped falling, it was beautiful, gorgeous, big blankets of snow on all the trees. Well, I'd never been that route before, and so I was relying heavily on my cell phone's GPS to get where we were going. <laughs> you know where this is going. Well, you get over the pass, and pretty soon you run out of cell phone coverage, and my GPS relies heavily on my, my, my coverage and data and all that kind of stuff. So I didn't really know where I was going. 
which to me is not a huge deal because I got a trusty old gut that'll take us there like no problem at all. I, <laughs> I know that we are somewhere over there. That's the place we need to go. So we just have to keep driving and then we hit a road that heads north. We'll take that road and eventually we'll get there because how many roads can there be in eastern Washington? So we take a road north and it ends up kind of backtracking eventually and heading more, more like northwest. I don't want to be backtracking. I know I want to be going that way, so not a big problem. We'll just take the next road that heads east. Well, there wasn't a road that headed east anytime soon, so we ended up just taking another road that headed more, more no, north than northwest. Well, before you know it, we are just completely lost in the middle of nowhere. I'm seeing places that I didn't even know existed in Washington. Um, it was just, we were, we were lost. And I knew that we were in really bad shape. So, so the town that we're going to is just north of Republic. Does anybody know where Republic is? Not a lot of you. It's like a, yeah, it's, it's a small town. Not, I understand. It's a little tiny town, and the town that we're trying to get to is just north of Republic. Well, I knew that we were in trouble when we were like seven hours into a six-hour trip, and signs to Spokane are starting to show up, and I know, okay, we have completely blown it here, and we are way off track. Well, eventually, we find this little road that kind of meanders through this desolate, treacherous, icy mountain pass, and we get to the place that we're going to, but it was an absolute disaster. I know somebody in the room is probably thinking, well, Rich, there had to have been at least one gas station out there where you could have stopped and got some directions. Yes, there were lots, lots of, lots of places to stop, but I am a man, and we don't do that kind of stuff. <laughs> But if you want to have a successful journey, there's, there's really three things that you need. One, you need, to have, you need to have a driver. You need to have someone that's going to hop in that vehicle, put the keys in the ignition, fire it up, put their foot on the gas, and get that vehicle moving down the road. You've got to have a driver. You also need to have a vehicle. You need to have something that's going to take you there because if there's no vehicle to take you on that journey, sure, you could walk, but, but you, you might not ever get there. You need a vehicle that's going to take you there. And then, then the next thing that you need, especially if you have an inner compass, a gut that's as wacky and out to lunch as mine, you need a map. And I don't know about you, but we've had a few road trips in, in my family that have been kind of ruined or at least gotten a lot more stressful because we didn't have a map. You had a concert to get to, but you got off on the wrong exit and you ended up being late or you're supposed to meet somebody for lunch or for dinner and, and you just show up late because your map is not working or you don't, don't have a map. You need a map. And these same principles apply when it comes to the discipleship journey that we've been talking about over the last several weeks. You need these, three, these same three things. You need a driver. And the driver in the discipleship journey is someone who is a leader, and, and not just a leader, but someone who's an intentional leader. They're driving the discipleship process in your life towards a goal, towards that end goal of being someone who's making disciples yourself. Drivers need some skills. They need to know about the process. It helps if they've traveled the road before or at least have some kind of map. Next, for a successful discipleship journey, you need a vehicle. And as we look at what the Bible uh, has to say about discipleship, and as we look at how Jesus discipled his 12 disciples, we see that the vehicle that he used is a relational environment. What the heck is that, Rich? A relational environment? It's, it's a... It's, it's discipleship done in the context of relationship. You've got someone in your life who loves you, 
who cares about you, you're in relationship with this person as they're helping you on your, your spiritual journey. They're helping you get down the road. Now, I've been in the church for a long, long time. I've seen a lot of different vehicles used to help people grow in their faith. I've seen classes. I've seen sermons, small group curriculum, conferences, books, Bible studies, on and on the list goes. And all these can be helpful, but when you look at Jesus, the primary way that he helped people grow in and the primary vehicle that he used in the discipleship journey was relationship. He had these 12 guys that he, that he invited to follow him. He talked to them. He got to know them. He loved on them. It was relationship. And this is so important. Without relationship, the discipleship journey is boring, and it is ineffective. And I'd love to get into this right now, but we're actually going to hang out on this one next week. Um, so for a successful discipleship journey, you need a driver, you need a vehicle, and you need a map. And the map for us on the discipleship journey is, is some kind of reproducible process, because it's not just about me, it's about me making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And last week, we talked about this important tool in the process, it's this discipleship wheel, and uh, we'll be talking some more about the process um, in the coming weeks. But today where I want to really spend our time is looking at what it means to be an intentional leader. What does that look like? And before we dive into it, quick question for you. How does the idea of you being a leader, how does that sit with you? You don't have to answer out loud, but how does that make you feel, the idea of you being a leader? Now, somebody in the room is probably completely intimidated by that. You go, not a chance. There's no way. That's not me. I'm not a leader. That's for somebody else. Uh, Nah, not me. Some of you else in the room, maybe you're going, yeah, I've got no problem with that. I, I actually enjoy being in charge. Um, if there's a party to be planned, I'm usually the one planning the party. I, if there's a meeting to be had, if I'm not the one actually in charge of that meeting, making it happen, I get a little bit restless. You just, you, you like the idea of, of, of leading. And then somebody else in the room is maybe in between. You're going, I don't have a problem with it, but I don't really, I don't really know what that looks like. And so I'm somewhere in between all that. Regardless of how you feel about being a leader, odds are every single one of us in this room today is either leading currently or has the, at least the capacity to lead. If you're a parent in the room, guess what? You're leading. You are leading your kids. If you're a coach in the room, you're involved in leadership. You're leading that team. If you're a teacher, you're a leader. If you're a small group leader, you're a leader. If you're involved in kids ministry over here, you are, you're a leader. It takes leadership. Now, leadership involves a lot of things, but one of the things that, that is key is this, this word intentionality. Someone has a vision for something, then they begin to make things happen, and as they begin to make things happen, people follow them, they come alongside of them. That's, that's leadership. Now, it doesn't matter if the vision is, is big and grandiose or if it's small, you got to have some intentionality for it to really happen. Maybe you're here and you're going, okay, I'm going to have the most awesome Super Bowl party next week. And it takes leadership to make that happen. you got to get on the phone. you got to get on your Facebook page and make an event. Then you've got to start delegating some responsibilities. You cast some vision. You tell everybody how it's going to be this awesome, awesome party. That takes intentionality. Or maybe the leadership vision is, is big. It's Steve Jobs. He's got this vision to change the world, the entire planet, through technology. And so he 
he creates, he invents this personal computer. He gets some people around him to, 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 to put it together. They come up with this little logo that's going to be this little Apple. Next thing you know, they're, they're, they're making these portable MP3 players and then iPhones. And the next thing you know, because of one man's vision and his intentionality, the world is a different place because of Apple. It all takes intentional leadership. And when it comes to making disciples, making disciples requires intentional leadership. Someone who's going to come along, they're going to put the key in the ignition, start up the car, and they're going to put their foot on the gas pedal and, and get it moving down the road on the discipleship journey. And this leader is a person who, who knows what it means to be a disciple and is being intentional about help, helping somebody else grow in their faith. Now, if you're here today and uh, you have at some point put your faith and trust in Jesus and you've said, okay, I'm going to follow Jesus, odds are pretty good you could look back on your discipleship journey and, and identify a person who was key in your life who came along and took some kind of leadership. Now, it might not have been some kind of big leadership. Maybe for them it was they invited you, they took some initiative and invited you to church. Maybe they invited you to go out for coffee, and they just got to know you, and they invested in your life, and as they got to know you, eventually they shared their faith story, and you're like, okay, I want to follow this, this God that you serve, but they, they took some, in, there was some t- intentionality there. Um, for me, my parents were key in my journey. They were intentional in that they, they showed me uh, a lot of what it meant to be loved. They had me in church um, just about every weekend. One Christmas, they decided, okay, we're going to buy Rich a Bible because he's going to need a Bible if he's going to grow in his faith. Uh, they encouraged me and they pushed me to get into service, to, to serve and to use my gifts and passion, but they were intentional. And there's a number of things involved with being an intentional leader, especially as it relates to making disciples who will make disciples. And I want to talk about five things here. And the first thing is this, and this is, we're going to spend a bit of time on this one. The first thing that is needed is an intentional leader is someone who moves with purpose. They move with purpose. If there's ever someone who was an intentional leader, it was Jesus. Jesus shows up on the scene. He, he gets these 12 guys around him. He knows that he's about to entrust these guys with the greatest message, the greatest mission in all of history. He knows he's only got three years to do it, and so he moves with purpose with these guys. He gets to work really quick. On one occasion, the Bible tells about how Jesus went up on a mountainside, and he called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. So you see here, he's got, he's got focus. He's not haphazard at all about discipling these guys. He's like, okay, you guys, you're my guys. I'm appointing to be my disciples. We're going to spend a lot of time together. Yes, we're going to hang out. Yes, we're going to have some fun. Yes, you're going to get to know me. I'm going to get to know you, but at the end of the day, this is going to be about you taking the gospel message to the entire planet. And so he, he has this focus, this, this purpose that he moves with. Another time, he gave his disciples instructions about what to do after he went back up into heaven. And the Bible says like this, it says, on one occasion, while he was, he was eating with them, he gave, this, gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. So again, he's got this plan. You see him in the driver's seat. He's letting them know uh, what's next. He's just not haphazardly going through life with these guys. He knows that he's got them on a journey, and he's in the driver's seat, and he's helping them. He's taking initiative 
to help them take that next step in their journey. And you contrast that with how the church typically goes about making discipleship today, and it's really two completely different scenes. We hope that people will maybe show up at a weekend service, and we hope that maybe they'll hear something that, that might stick and that might catch. We hope that maybe they'll get some friends around them who will be there to encourage them and help them when they're going through a difficult time. We hope that they'll have some people there to celebrate their breakthroughs. But it lacks a lot of this intentionality that we see here um, with Jesus. You know, even in how we disciple our kids, there's little intentionality. And I have God speaking to me about this one all the time. You know, the best place for your kids to be discipled is in your home. That's the best place. Not here at church, not at youth group, fusion on, on Sunday nights. The best place for your kids to learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus is in your home. However, too often what happens for us parents is we're intentional about everything else except discipling our kids. We're intentional about, you know, we make sure they get good grades. We make sure they're going to school. We push them to excel in athletics. We, we make sure that, that they are, we try to make, them, make sure they're hanging out with the right people. We are intentional about everything except how we disciple our kids. And we, we simply hope that maybe someday somewhere they might hear someone say something that'll stick. Intentional leaders move with purpose. They move with purpose. And parents, let me give you a simple, a real simple way this morning that you can be intentional in your home. If you're here this morning, you've got kids over in Kids Rock or in Adventureland, um, I'm going to give you a tool, a simple tool that will help you be intentional at home. So every week, your kids are learning about Jesus over there. We've got a great team of, of leaders and volunteers that that just love your kids and care about your kids, and they, they teach scripture to them. But they have your kids for one hour a week. You've got them for the other 167. So it would make more sense that parents are the ones that are discipling their kids. But, but if you're like me, you go, okay, wh where do I even start? Well, there's a tool. It's actually a Bible app called ParentQ that you can download if you've got an I, uh, whether iPhone or Google. You download this app, and it will... It'll tell you exactly what your kids are learning right now, and then it will give you some very simple tools that you can use to go home this week and just reinforce the lesson that they're learning there at home. It's called ParentQ, and there's some more instructions outside the uh, Kids Rock room on how you can download this, but let me tell you something. If you take just a simple tool like that and you become more intentional in your home about leading and discipling your kids... It will be a game changer in your home. I'm telling you, it will be a game changer. It's a great way to be, become more intentional with your kids. So first of all, an intentional leader is someone who moves with purpose. Second, it's someone who understands the game. Intentional leaders, they understand the game. Now, I've, had, I've got five kids, and over the years, I've had my kids in lots of different sports. And one thing that every parent knows is that just because your kid has all this stuff, doesn't mean they understand the game. Just because your kid has a baseball glove, a, a jersey, and a baseball hat does not mean they understand the game. I've had uh, my son, Ethan, he played uh, baseball for, for a couple years. And I remember when he first started out 
Um, he, was, he was probably either in kindergarten or first grade, no idea what to do. And so where do you put the kid at, at that age? You put them as, as far away from the baseball as you can. You put them way out there somewhere out in the parking lot. But, but there he is in the center field, and I just remember like yesterday, he's out there. He's chatting up with the guys beside him, you know, making sure that they're just feeling right at home. He's looking up at the clouds, sitting down on the grass, picking flowers, you know, just no idea how to play the game. He makes the hit, and instead of going to first, he bolts down towards third, and there's that, that moment, like, what do I do next? What he needs is he needs somebody to come alongside of him who understands the game. He needs a coach who's going to teach him, a coach who's going to help him see, okay, here's how you play, here's, here's the rules, here's where you go, here's what you do when you're, you're in the outfield, you get ready to catch the ball, you get in your stance. He needs someone who understands the game. And it's the same thing with making disciples. It's about helping people learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And intentional leaders understand what this, this entails, what this disciple-making is all about. You know, for starters, they understand that it's not really about them changing hearts. It's about, it, this, is a, this is a spiritual battle that we're in. The Bible says for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against rulers. It's against the authorities. It's against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. People who are about making disciples of others, they get that it's, they, they can't change people's hearts. God does that. And so they pray, they pray for their unchurched friends, they pray for their kids, they pray for their small group, they pray because they understand the game. They also understand that making disciples is, is so much more than a class, it's about so much more than a sermon, it's about so much more than some kind of small group curriculum, it's a lifestyle. Listen to what Jesus said, he said, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. You can only be like your teacher, excuse me, someone left an uh, apple fritter in the back room there. I just could not say no. <laughs> but you can only be like your teacher if, you, if you're in relationship with your teacher and you really know them. You've got to, you, you have to know them. And, and when you know them and your, your, your life is connected to their life and it's this life-on-life life deal, um, you can, you can become more like them. Intentional leaders, they understand the game. Next, an intentional leader is someone who knows how to evaluate where individuals are at on their journey. They know how to evaluate where individuals are at on their journey. So again, going back to my kids being in sports, you have coaches who know how to evaluate where kids are at in the journey, and then you've got coaches who don't know how to evaluate where kids are at. So my daughter, Presley, she's playing, um, just started basketball. She's seven years old. It'd be pretty sad if her coaches were all about trying to teach the kids how to slam dunk at the first practice. They're not doing that because they can evaluate where they're at on their journey. And it's the same thing with this disciple-making process. You need to have someone who can evaluate where, where you're at on your journey. And if you're going to be about discipling other people, you need to be able to evaluate where they're at in the process. And, and in order to do that, you need to spend time with people. We see Jesus doing this a lot. You know, he, had, he has had his disciples, and he is always with these guys. And because he's always with them, he knows where they're at in this, this spiritual maturity, this journey, this process that they're on 
becoming more like Jesus. Um, I want to read a story where we see him doing this. The Bible says in the book of Mark, it says they, so this is Jesus and his disciples, they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, hey, guys, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Would love to see the looks on those guys' faces in that moment. Priceless. It's just a bad argument to have when you're in the presence of Jesus. But here we have this, this road trip that these guys are on. Jesus is spending time with these guys. They've been traveling to this town called Capernaum, and he's heard them talk along, along the way. And because of that, because he's been with them, he knows where they're at. He knows, okay, these guys... They've got some growing to do in the area of humility. So Jesus is like, hey, guys, gather around, everybody. We need to have a little conversation. He pulls them together, and next we read, sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. And then he would point out a child and basically say, hey, you need to actually stop being all boastful and proud and all this kind of stuff. You actually need to become like this child. You need to have humility like this, be childlike. And, and he, he's... He has this, he's in relationship with these guys. And because he's in relationship with these guys, because he understands the game, he's able to help these guys grow and, and he knows what they need next on their journey to get to the, the place that they're at or they need, the place they need to go. Just some quick questions for all of us in the room this morning as it relates to this. First question is this. Who do you have in your life who knows you well enough that they know where you're at on this, this road to spiritual maturity, and they know what you need to grow. Who do you have in your life that is, is taking that kind of initiative and being that intentional with you? And the second question is, who are you currently leading, and where are they at on their journey? So maybe it's, it's parents. Do you know where your kids are at on the journey and what they need to grow to the next place? Are you a small group leader? Do you know what your, your small group, those in your group need in order to get to the next place in their, their walk with Jesus? We all need someone who knows how to tell where we're at on the journey and can help us go to the next level. It doesn't matter if you are a brand new baby Christian. You've been serving Jesus for one week. You need someone who's going to come along and help you go to the next place in your, your relationship with Jesus. If you've been here and you've been a follower of Jesus for 50 years, you still need somebody who's going to come along, who's going to be that intentional leader in your life and help you on your journey. Next, an intentional leader is someone who creates an environment for growth. They create an environment for growth. You're not a great leader if you're doing everything by yourself. You're not giving away responsibility. You've got to be the superstar. Great leaders create an environment for growth, and so they, they bring people in. They give them opportunities to, to, to serve and, and to grow in their faith. And Jesus, he did this all the time. Not long after he showed up on the scene, the Bible says that the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Now, if you're familiar with the, the whole st uh, story here and timeline of what, what's going on during Jesus' time on earth, you, you can see that these guys aren't even really full-fledged followers of Jesus at this point. Peter was the first guy to come along and say, Jesus, you are who you say you are. You are the Son of God. That moment hasn't even happened yet. 
And yet, Jesus is going, okay, time for you guys to get in the game. I want you guys to go out. I want you guys to go out two by two. You're going to go to these different towns and villages. You're going you're gonna to share about me. He's saying, he's, go, he's saying go. He's giving away all these big roles. He gets them serving because he knows that serving produces players and not spectators. You got to create an environment for growth. Parents, what are you doing to help your kids grow, to create an environment for growth in your home? If you're, if you're coming alongside of somebody in a leadership role right now, whether that's a small group, maybe it's over here in, in, in Kids Rock, what are you doing to create an environment for growth? And then lastly this morning, and by the way, we're going to keep, we're going to unpack these things more because I know we're just like skimming the surface, but we're going to be unpacking them more in the next several weeks. The last thing, though, that an intentional leader does and is, is an intentional leader is someone who understands their role in the disciple-making process. This whole idea of leadership and helping someone else grow in their faith, you know, it can be overwhelming. Odds are, you know, most of us in this room, if you were to think about yourself and go, okay, what would it look like for me to disciple somebody, you find that overwhelming. You know, where do I even start in that? Well, it really helps take some of the pressure off when you understand that it's not actually not all about you. It's not all about you. There's, there's a few different roles in the discipleship journey. There's, there's God's role, there's our role, and then there's the disciples' role. You're not the, the be-all and end-all in this process. God's got a pretty big part to play, actually. He does the heavy lifting in this thing. And then the person that, that you're wanting to help grow in their faith, they have a role. The Apostle Paul, he, he understood this well when he said this. He said, I planted the seed Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. He understands that there's different roles here. You do your part, God does his part, then the disciple, the one being taught and trained to follow Jesus, they do their part. And not every, not every child is going to grow up and, and take the path that you've taught them to take because they've got their part. And maybe they go, ah, I'm, I don't necessarily want to go that direction. They have a role. Not every person in, in a small group is going to flourish and it's going to grow. You can either choose to have a, a, a deep, authentic relationship or you can choose shallow acquaintance. But you can't make someone decide that. They have, they have a role to play. But understand that, that you have a part, God has a part, they have a part too. And it's so important to remember this. As we wrap up, I just, I just want to say this morning, there is a great need for intentional leaders. There's a great need in the church for intentional leaders. Because if you've been listening to this, this at all this morning, and you're catching this at all this morning, you're probably landing in one of two places. Number one, maybe you're going, okay, Rich, you're talking about discipling somebody else and helping somebody else grow in their faith. I've never had that myself, especially to the extent that you're talking about this morning. You know, over the last um, uh, few years, I've been talking to a lot of different people in this church and in, in different churches about discipleship, and the common thread in all those conversations is people saying, I have never had somebody disciple me. How can I be about discipling someone else when I've never been discipled myself? And the reason that, that so many of us have never had someone disciple us the way we read about Jesus discipling his disciples is because the church has had this this, this wrong way of thinking 
thinking that the pastor is the guy that does all the discipling. That is just a crazy thought. There are somewhere in the ballpark of four to five hundred people that would call this their home church. It's impossible for one guy, two guys, three, four, five, even ten people to effectively disciple that many people. There is this huge need in the church for intentional leaders, not just in the church, but in our communities and in our homes. And, and I'm sure if we were to, to just ask this morning, there are many of you here that go, okay, I would love to have somebody in my life who cares about me, who loves me, who, who, who wants to see me grow in my faith. But the reality is there's not enough leaders. There is this need for intentional leadership, people who will, first of all, have a heart for others, people who will love and care about someone enough to want to see them grow and flourish, and then there's uh, people who will move with purpose, who understand what's involved in the game, who understand how to help someone grow, how to identify where they're at, and how to help them see what, what they need to take that next spot or that next step in their journey. And I know that over the next several weeks, months, God is going to be speaking to some of you in the room right now and say, hey, listen, I want you to step up. I want you to lead in a way that you haven't led. Maybe, it, maybe it's leading in your home. You go, okay, I have not been discipling like, like I, I need to be. I'm going to just take some steps. Maybe God's going to be calling some of you in the room to lead a small group. Maybe it's, it, he's going to call some of you to lead in in women's ministry or in kids' ministry. But he's going to be inviting you to lead. And listen, a lot of times we think leadership and we, we automatically disqualify ourselves because when we think leadership, we think about all the stuff out there that there is on leadership. We have this idea that a leader is somebody who's this big personality, is somebody who's just this, this magnetic, charismatic person who's just got this big following of people around them. You know, sometimes we... We, we, we just paint the wrong picture of leadership in our minds. When in, in God's kingdom, you know, one note a leader is in God's kingdom? A leader in God's kingdom is someone who says yes when Jesus says, I want you to lead. End of story. It's someone who says yes and then begins to do whatever it is that Jesus is asking you to do. That's what a leader is. And and so I'd encourage you, as as God begins to speak, keep an open heart, keep an an open heart, and be be willing to be that leader that God is asking you to be. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this church. I thank you so much for each person here. Lord, you know my heart as the pastor of this church. Lord, my heart, God, is that every person who, who calls this their home church would have somebody in their life who is loving them, who is caring for them, who is there to, who, to help them grow in their faith, who's there to help them take that next step in their journey, who's there to, to celebrate with them when they, they have a big breakthrough, who's there to, to be walking alongside of them and praying for them when they're struggling. Father, I pray that, that we would be a church that just has that level of care and that level of discipleship. Father, I pray that that four or five years from now, everybody sitting in this room, God would be able to look back and say, yeah, here's the person that was that intentional leader in my life. But God, to get there, to get there, God, there needs to be more intentional leadership. And so, Father, I pray the prayer of Luke 10 too, that Jesus, you would, 
you would raise up laborers. Father, I pray that you would raise up people, God, that are sitting in this room right now who would say yes, God, when you ask them to lead. God, I pray for the dad or the mom in the room this morning who has been intentional about everything except discipling their kids. Father, I pray that they would say yes to your voice. I pray that, Jesus, they would begin to take some next steps. God, even if that's having a chat with somebody in this church about discipling their kids or going on online and Googling, how do I disciple my kids? God, I just pray that they would say yes. They'd say yes to you. Lord, I pray for the, the, the person in the room that, God, I know you're, you're calling into small group leadership. God, you're calling them to take a step. God, they don't know what the journey is going to look like. But Jesus, you're saying, hey, I want you to, to, to start to love and care on a group of people and help them grow and, and be disciples of me. Father, I pray that whatever the situation, whatever the scenario, God, when you call us, when you invite us, that Jesus, our response would not be reluctance. It would not be no. Jesus, it would be a simple yes because we know you. We trust you. We know that you've got our joy in mind. We know that you're good. God, for the sake of your kingdom, for the sake of your name, I pray that you would do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.